Hello, everybody, and welcome to Joyfully You podcast. Today, we have a special guest, Andrew Cap. Andrew Cap is the author of the last law of attraction book you'll ever need to read, a perennial bestseller giving readers a unique understanding of the topic that no other law of attraction book has ever been able to do. By going the extra mile of addressing why people who get excited about trying it out still can't manage to get the habit of using these methods for just five minutes a day. This book has enjoyed number one bestseller status in multiple categories on Amazon with over 1,700 five-star reviews and a growing YouTube channel devoted to law of attraction. And I personally am having a fangirl moment being able to do this interview. And Andrew, welcome to Joyfully You Podcast. Hey, Kelsey, thank you so much for having me. Pleasure is all mine and really excited for wherever we might take this conversation. Uh, You know, no holds barred, no restrictions, just glad to take it wherever it goes. Amazing, amazing. So I guess like something that just out of my own curiosity is how did you come about writing this book? Like what are some of your backstories? Is it something that came to you? Is it something that you sought after? Like what was, I mean, I think of like the birthing process. What, how did this book come about? Yeah, so we'll see if I can set a record on your show for most long-winded answer. But uh, <laughs> once I get this part out, that'll that'll create plenty of context. So it'll be a more of a, a smooth conversation. But I guess to give you the the full picture, I learned about law of attraction back in two thousand four, if I remember correctly, because obviously it was so long ago, right? And um, I was, you know, just a young struggling entrepreneur, and I think you know everyone can relate to to wanting things, but I think you know, entrepreneurs or salespeople in particular that have to kill their own dinner, so to speak, they can really relate to, you know, having to to find results and, and to almost manufacture them out of thin air. And I think a lot of them kind of go down that road of personal development, self-improvement, however you want to describe it. And for me, law of attraction was one modality of many that I was, you know, using, I'm putting air quotes, because I know a lot of people hear this on audio. Um, I was trying to use this in order to improve my life. And for me, there was something about it that rang true, but it was very inconsistent. And what I would find out a couple of years later is that I was the one who's being inconsistent because um, after those years of just trying to sort things together, I had a really bad week where I finally gave up on that business. I knew it was going nowhere. And um, my girlfriend of three years breaks up over a text message with me, which ironically enough, she broke up because I wasn't giving enough to the relationship because I was struggling so much with the business. And here I quit the business in order to go back to that, but it was too little too late, which is another long-winded way of saying, you know, on Monday I wake up, I've got, you know, 100% complete life, whether I'm happy or not. And on Friday I wake up, it feels like 90% of it's gone. And I had to look in the mirror and be like, all right, well, you know, I've wasted my 20s. Um, I've got no business, no relationship, no nothing. Like something's got to change. And I had this weird simultaneous moment of indignation and stubbornness, but also an epiphany of, well, that law of attraction thing, whenever I actually did it and didn't stop, it actually worked. And I'm just upset enough now and just indignant enough that I'm going to go all in with this thing once and for all, which is really just code for five or 10 minutes a day, every day. Because I knew I, no matter how mad I was, I couldn't do this all day, every day, just wasn't psychologically or energetically sustainable, but I could do five or 10 minutes a day, visualization, gratitude, scripting, whatever it might be. And the results were miraculous. You know, it's it's almost like a movie. Like two weeks later, I felt better. Um, Not 100% better, but a lot better, which is saying a lot with a broken heart. Three months later, I'm in a brand new, way healthier relationship. 
Four months later, I'm making more money than at any point in my life before then. And six months later, everything's different. I'm in the best shape of my life. I'm waking up happy, fulfilled. Everything's running on all cylinders. And I basically learned the hard way that let's call this thing the law of attraction. Whatever it might be, it works if you work it. And it was only 11 years later after, you know, experimenting and learning new things and just going down this path with this new understanding that I was like, okay, I want to do something new in business. But to be candid, I don't want to be bored. I want to be excited. Every time a customer writes to me, I want to be excited about writing back to them and interacting with them and engaging with them. And I had to ask myself, what can I do that I actually knew really well that I've never shared about myself? It's like, okay, let me do this law of attraction thing, which then raised another question of, am I going to give myself permission to do this? Because there's like not even hundreds of books. There's like a thousand law of attraction books. And if I'm going to do this, I don't want it to be another book. I have to contribute something new and unique to the conversation that will genuinely, in my opinion, shift the paradigm. So I gave myself this really ambitious goal. I came up with the title and the cover really early. Like, I'm going to make this the last law of attraction book you'll ever need to read. I'm going to basically, I'm going to address the things that aren't addressed in the other books, which to me are the things where we find this information, we start to use it, we start to get results, we actually get results, and we still stop. And I'm like, okay, if I can address that for people, the same way I addressed it for myself, they won't learn from me, they won't learn from the book, they'll learn from their own life experience what this really is about, and then they're forever changed. And that was the goal of the book. And, um, you know, I spent nine, I mean, I can say that I spent 16 years writing it, but in terms of an actual writing process, I mapped it out over about a month, what I wanted to say. And then I wrote it for nine and a half weeks, you know, and I, I just spit things out on paper and then I just refined it and tweaked it and massaged it because it really was something where I wanted to be very intentional that this isn't a book that you're reading. This is an experience that you're enjoying. And I want to make sure page one to page 208, there was a flow that was taking you building foundational blocks so that by the time you were through it, you really were changed and your paradigm was was shifted and you had a whole new perspective. And that's my long-winded answer of, of really where this book came from and, and where we're at right now. Oh, that's so wonderful. Every single bit of that was so enjoyable just to listen to and to be able to hear your process too and how you applied it to your own life. And you did such a good job of bringing people through the experience because I've listened to the book. I've read the book. I've listened to it multiple times. And it's interesting being able to hear as you're talking. I'm like, wow, it was his voice in the audiobook. You know, I didn't actually realize that until you were talking. Um, but each time I listened to it, I got something different from it because something different resonated with me and what I needed to hear in that moment. So it's beautiful how the law of attraction works through your book of being the last law of attraction you need to work, you need to read. Um, and I love how you set the book up, you know, of, of the foundations. And I felt like this sense too, of like, almost like he's teasing me. He wants you like, like this anticipation where reading it, I'm like, I want to know what they are now so much. And you did such a good job of, um, creating that buildup to it, to making sure that we, by the time I was ready to hear it, I was like, almost like begging to hear it, you know, of like, well, what is it? Um, and something that I really loved was how you addressed um, the practices of gratitude and how there's kind of this cornerstone of, you know, either you're brand new to the law of attraction or you've been doing it. And what's the block there is, is, there might be a part within you that's that's not believing you're worthy of having it. And that part resonated with me so much because the, the, the 
over my development, personal development and my spiritual journey and being an entrepreneur, same thing of like, oh, wow, if I'm going to provide for myself, I am now facing every single fear that's ever prevented me from putting myself out there. It's like this, you know, just such a journey. And so I'd love to hear a little bit more about um, your approach to addressing this thing of giving ourselves permission to ask for it, giving ourselves permission to receive it. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about your dialogue around that, that strengthening, I call it everything a muscle, the worthiness muscle, so to speak. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's weird. I tried really hard and I think successfully so not to let any frustration bleed into the book. In fact, this was like the aftermath of the frustration. See, for me, and I, I don't know how, you, I think my perspective is unique in terms of people that just talk about this stuff because the, the reason that I hope it is articulated well was because I really put myself through the ringer. I tried and failed so many times. And basically I got, I ran my head into all these different walls and I got bloodied so much that the only remaining answer, the only remaining answer left was that I actually am worthy. Not only am I worthy, but everyone's worthy. The only remaining, the only answer that was left for me is that the idea that we are not worthy in some way, shape or form is an illusion. And I just got that way by trying something, by it starting to work and then failing and then having to examine myself. You, you made a really important point, like, you know, when you're starting your business and it brings up all this stuff. It's like, if you wanna grow as a person, Start a business or get in a relationship because your shadows will come up to greet you with a huge smile on their face and they'll say, ticket, please. And they'll let you in whether you've got a ticket or not, because that stuff will really come up. And, um, and yeah, and I, I know this is another long winded answer, but for me, it, it was really just, you know, constant trial and error and a refusal to give up. And that's actually the, the goal of the book. And even like of the YouTube content, I think people, They'll try this and it won't work out. They won't realize that it's not their fault, by the way, that's not working out, but it won't work out for them and they'll lose hope. And it's, it's almost like they've, they haven't lost all hope. They've lost enough hope that they don't want to risk losing all hope. Because the one thing that we all cling on to, whether we're talking about the law of attraction, we're talking about making money, we're talking about health, nutrition, we're talking about whatever these big improvements you want to make in your life. People will rarely go all in on something because there's this hidden fear in the background, which I talk about in, in the form of the ego, where imagine they go all in and it doesn't work. Well, then they have to, they, they're worried. They have to face a life with no hope, a life where it either works for everybody but them because they're not worthy, or it hasn't worked the whole time and it was all a scam all along. And now they got to spend the rest of their lives without this, without hope, without anything like that. And that's the real that's the albatross. That's the unspoken elephant in the room that people don't really address. They just rightfully so don't want to put themselves in a position where if this doesn't work out, they can no longer have hope in their life. It really is that extreme. Yes, that resonates so much for me because during my journey, I realized that was something for me. I would never give my all because if I didn't, I could protect myself from the possibility of facing fear. So I always had this way of saying and feeling, and it wasn't conscious, right? It's very unconscious operating, but it was this thing of, well, if it doesn't work out, I know why it's because I was busy and I didn't, and I procrastinated and I was very okay with this idea of being a procrastinator, you know? And so it's interesting how the pain of things becomes our purpose later. And so I love that answer so much around noticing 
how we are protecting ourselves, but it's actually holding us back from everything that we want. Um, and you mentioned the ego, and I know that you talk about the ego in your book in such an eloquent way, in a different approach than, you know, being in personal development, we start to learn more about what the ego actually is beyond the stereotypical, like, big muscle, egoic, you know, kind of a cartoon portrayed thing of it being protection. I'd love to he uh, hear a little bit more about that, the elaboration of the role of the ego. Yeah, I, I'm, I'll, I'll preface it by saying this is my definition. I'm obviously not like a clinical psychologist or anything like that. And the thing about even all the the word choices and, and any choice that I made in the book, it, it was kind of made in a, in a sense of, can I have some kind of term or some kind of word or some kind of concept or idea that the brain can just wrap itself around? So this is my definition or my version of the ego. And, and the way I break it down is we have three minds. We've got the conscious mind and we've got the subconscious mind. And right in the middle, we've got the ego, which is way stronger than the conscious mind, but nothing compared to the subconscious mind. And the ego, as I define it, has one job in this world, and that's to keep you alive. Your ego right now, everyone listening, your ego is looking around, it's scanning the field and saying, okay, my person's alive, which means whatever's going on right now, whatever money problems you have, whatever relationship problems you have, even whatever health problems you have, because your ego is not your body, it's your mind, all your ego knows is that you are alive in this moment, and the last thing it wants to do is risk the status quo, which is whether it's a change in a positive direction or negative, because... Your ego can't predict what would actually happen if you received all the deposit changes that you want. Therefore, it cannot predict the survivability rate improving or, or not improving based on that. Therefore, it doesn't want to risk it because I'm sure there are a lot of people listening right now. They want to be either rich or famous. But for all your ego knows is when you become famous, you're going to get a bunch of stalkers. And that's what threats your survival. For all your ego knows is when you get rich, you're going to have a really big house. You're going to have distant family coming out of the woodwork to sue you and try to take you for everything you own. That's, that's what your ego is worried about, another threat to your survival. So your ego actually it loves you, and it thinks that it's keeping you safe in place, even though it's only keeping you stuck in place. But this is really is a protective measure. And to skip ahead and answer like, okay, well, what do we do about this? Well, remember, stronger than the conscious mind, which is why we we... we we, you know, tell ourselves these stories and these lies of like, oh, it's okay. I know I can really do it if I want to or whatever else. But the subconscious mind is stronger. So the answer is to bypass the ego, access the subconscious mind, and let that do the heavy lifting of one, sending out that vibrational signal to the universe to get things more of what you want. But two, if you don't believe in the universe, or even if you do, also governing a lot of your activities, a lot of your decisions, a lot of your ideas, because, you know, you have someone that they might want um, a job promotion. And, you know, if they're really programming their subconscious mind with it, they're going to start having really good ideas. They're going to start carrying themselves in a different way. There's going to be a cadence to their voice that they can't orchestrate or manipulate on their own. It's just going to come through them where people are going to notice them. They're going to like them. They're going to trust them. And all of a sudden, boom, job promotion. And, um, Again, I guess I'm the king of long-winded answers today. To throw one other thing is like, okay, how do we access the subconscious mind? Well, that's through the methods. And by the way, that's whether it's my book or anyone else's book. Any gratitude method, any visualization method, any scripting method where you feel good while thinking about what you have or what you want or both, that is sending the programming. It's sending the blueprints. It's sending the instructions to your subconscious mind, which is broadcasting out to the universe and doing all the heavy lifting for you. And you will take action, but it'll be inspired action. You'll have that idea to write that book 
or to start that business, or if you're looking for love, which dating app to go on, or if you're looking for love, how to write your profile. Like it's one of those things where people like, well, how's this gonna work? You will be inspired. There will be connections or synapses that fire in your brain and your mind where you'll all of a sudden write this flawless, like, you know, dating ad on, on your dating app or on your dating website where the right people will be like, ooh, okay. I, I want what this person's about. You're gonna be making good decisions with the photographs that you put on it. You're gonna, you know, whatever it might be, all these things are gonna click into place, some of which you're aware of and some of which are feel like they're on autopilot, but things will come together for you all through the foundation of gratitude and visualization and scripting that's feeding your subconscious mind that's doing the heavy lifting from there. Mm, I had like chills hearing that. And it's so powerful too, the inspiration that will carry us and how you mentioned that. And I love thinking about inspiration as being in spirit, that there's something that almost is washing through us, supporting us, with us, guiding us in that direction of, of alignment. Did you, and it sounds like you experienced that when you wrote your book as well, because nine weeks is kind of unheard of for writing a book. And in in, I guess from stereotypes of what I've heard, I haven't written one yet. Yeah, well, no, it's um, it's interesting. It, it really did. It fueled the book. It fueled so much in my life. And and one thing I um, I tell the story so many times that sometimes I don't even remember, did I add this part of the equation? But, you know, when I was having that that moment in my life back in 2008 where everything was turning around, there was like this seven week period where I lost 25 pounds without even trying. And people are like, okay, well, what does that mean? Does that mean you sat on your couch and you like, you shed 25 pounds? Like, well, no, I was working out with Sensei and I was trying to feel better about myself, but there was no thought or idea or intention to lose weight. I was just trying to feel better about myself. I was just working out and my body responded for me. And it was like basically, you know, a couple of weeks into doing that, I'm at a party and someone's like, dude, your, your jaw's looking like a little extra chiseled. Like, what are you doing? Like, did you lose some weight? And it was only then I was curious enough to look at the scale. I'm like, whoa, I lost 20. How did this even happen? And it's because these things tend to happen on their own for you in the midst of you living your life, in the midst of you enjoying things, in the midst of you taking action, but also in the midst of you being presented with opportunities. Because... I can orchestrate a lot and I can go on that dating website. I can set that profile, but I can't control that person showing up in my feed. I can't control that person responding to my message, even if it's a good message. There's a lot of things that you do and a lot of things that are done for you. And I'm a proponent of rather than worrying about what to do or how it's going to play out, just do with what's within your control while also simultaneously putting out the vibrations and the intentions to invite the universe to do the heavy lifting for you for those things that are not within your control having the confidence and the faith and the trust that it's all going to work out. And in the meantime, it's your responsibility in service to yourself to enjoy your life to whatever measure you can in the meantime. That's amazing. I love that. I love that so much. And it's, it's, it's so interesting too about the weight, you know, cause I remember uh, sharing this book with a couple clients and that was the first thing they're like, I can lose weight and I can just do it like with my mind and that. And it's like, it's like, yes. And it's because of everything else moving. And like, for me, I look at everything around like the emotional protection of looking at weight of like it feeling safe enough to be released. Um, it's like not needed as this protection barrier, protective barrier from us and the world. And so it's so cool that, um, 
that was just an added thing that happened in your journey. And especially this thing of like, oh, 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 me feel, I think of like the analogy of rising water lifts all ships is like Mm. you feeling your best, you doing the methods, like us using um, the gratitude and visualizations and all of the other methods that you include in this book lifts all areas of our life, even if we're only focused on one, which is freaking amazing. Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) And you know, just to speak real quick about the whole weight loss thing, Where I was in that moment, um, I feel just from a psychological standpoint, if I was trying to force the universe and my body to bend to my will and force the weight off, I would have introduced friction and resistance that would have prevented from happening. Meaning I would have been too tired or too lethargic or too whatever to go meet up with sensei. Like there's these things where when you're trying to force a situation, you don't realize the blocks that you're putting up for yourself. But since I wasn't even worried about it, and since my intention was really just about improvement overall, and again, like my attitude was like, I don't even care what happens or when it happens or why it happens. All I know is that I need to change my life. And all I know is that when I did these methods, it worked. I didn't even, and I'm not saying people shouldn't assign specific goals. I'm just saying in that moment when I had to do this big fix thing, my only goal was that things would improve. And it was my job to set the stage and do my part to allow for them. And that was all I can do is like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm from New York. I'm a, a big old school, like Derek Jeter fan. The thing I liked about Derek Jeter on the Yankees is he only cared about what he can control. And people don't think of him as a home run hitter but he hit really big home runs in really big moments. Like he isn't, he wasn't a prototypical home run hitter, but he was always good to hit the home run or the winning hit or the winning play, whatever you need when you really needed it. And to me, that's the life that I want to live. I want to live a life where I'm worrying about things that are in my control. And because of that, I make the really good plays for myself versus coming from a mindset of lack and always trying to hit the home run and judging myself and hating myself if I don't hit the home run which I think creates so much strife, mm-hmm. so much friction, so much resistance, so much unnecessary emotional and mental baggage, which in and of itself creates more. It's, it's like this vicious cycle. It's like, mm-hmm. no, worry about what you're in control of, invite the other good things and leverage gratitude. Use gratitude as this jumping off point to rocket you off into b- bigger things and invite more things for you. Mm, yeah, definitely. Oh my gosh. And it's, I love what you said too, about when you don't hit the home run, still trusting that the process is, is it's still working. Even if there's these moments of expectations, not going as we expected them to, but it yeah. doesn't mean things aren't working out. Cause that's something I think a lot of and it's, since it's something that I struggled with in the past, naturally, it's something that my audience resonates with as well, is this idea of failure and this fear of failure and this all or nothing personality, this very kind of extreme all or nothing, which maybe is why uh, first time I read your book, I loved it because it was about creating the consistency with these methods versus, and it's kind of the same thing with like working out where it's like getting um, losing a couple of pounds and being like, wow, I feel good. Now I can stop and celebrate with something that can take me away from the goal. Um, but it's also, I think what you're saying is really powerful around if you really want it and for the reasons why you want it, if that's rooted in lack, then there's friction and there's resistance and there's all these other components that are not cooperative that are going to be going against us. So when someone is in the realization of something they really want, how do they release resistance to trust the process? Well, there's a number of ways. Well, one, one way I'd say this, getting back to the home run, there's someone out there right now where to them, 
they've got like this, we'll go from the, the context of entrepreneurs or business people. They've got this really huge client that they want to land. And this client's going to be worth $10,000 a month to them. And they want to hit this home run. They want to knock it out of the park and they want to get this person. And here's what they don't realize. They don't realize that that person is very difficult to work with. That person is going to be an albatross on their back. That person's going to drain them of their energy. And yeah, it's going to be $10,000 a month, but the universe is holding that off because when they don't land that big $10,000 client who's going to be nothing but trouble, there are three other people waiting in the wings that are way more perfect for their skill set that's going to be worth $20,000 a month each. But the thing is, those people are right now, they're in the middle of dealing with another um, another vendor like this person, and they're in the middle of like being really frustrated and getting really mad and looking for you. So basically, there's there's a time frame here. There's there's an incubation period, not for the sake of incubation, but just the fact that everyone's on their own path. But when you relax and let yourself line up with things, and you're not trying to force the situation. Me, I'm a strategy guy. You are strategically letting things. You're, you're letting the energy loosen up. And if you don't believe in energy, you're strategically letting your mindset loosen up because. When you're, when you're constricted energetically or psychologically, good ideas can't come through, good decisions can't be made, like all these things. So for all the people that really want that thing and they're letting it get them down, I would, I would argue it's the letting it get you down that's preventing you from enjoying something even better that you don't even realize you have access to. And all I would say is strategically, just from a, from a strategic place, you wanna get around that so that you can invite things. And the beauty of it is, gratitude, which is a very easy thing to access and to, and to take advantage of, and only five minutes a day at that, that can be the big, you know, the, the launching point for you. If you could just take five minutes a day to find a way to experience gratitude in a, in a nice, easy way, that's going to build up momentum, either energetically, energetically or psychologically or whatever you believe in. That's going to build up things that's going to make you uh, go into the right path. And all of a sudden, you're making better decisions. All of a sudden, you're sleeping better. All of a sudden, you're eating better. All of a sudden, there's everything. All these things are kind of coming into play about who you are that are fitting into place. And that right client or that right, you know, the love of your life or that money or that house or that result that you want, that end manifestation, it's there waiting for you. But one thing to keep in mind is we, the, the four worst words to ever put together in this context are I'll be happy when. Mm. Because when you're doing I'll be happy when, you're basically taking your happiness and you're pushing it off in the distance, and you're always holding it on the end for you. Whereas me, I view happiness, yes, it's a result and it's a manifestation in and of itself, but happiness and joy are also strategies by which you invite more. And if you can give yourself permission to be like, okay, I'll, I'll have pockets of joy, pockets of gratitude, pockets of good moments, knowing that they feel good in the moment and I don't want to waste my life waiting for it, but also strategically they're bringing in those other big wins also. It becomes a thing where you jump from win to win to win and you enjoy the journey to whatever measure you can in the meantime, being okay with the fact that the big result isn't here yet, but you can still enjoy your life in the meantime. I love that so much. Yes. And it's like the creating of joy leads to more joy. And so like, that's something, especially within my business, I've noticed it's like the more I prioritize things that feel really good, the better everything gets. And, you know, allowing myself to, and a lot of it was like permission slips of saying like, I give myself permission to go against something I've been taught to instead follow something I feel, yes. you know? And, and that's like the, the into some of the intuition parts of it. And like, and that's, I think, how the universe can speak through us. You know, the law of attraction can work through us and we don't ever know what, um, 
ways things that we ask for are going to come into our life in in which at which avenues and I, I I think it was in your book but it's like if I can think of five ways and there's 5,000 other ways that the universe has in store of how it can work out and so the fact that there's even one way that you can think it could work out. There's so many more. So what's the point of trying to constrict? And I imagine like closing my fist of trying to control like white knuckle. I can't receive with a closed fist. And so learning how to relax. And that's actually something that I do uh, on this podcast a lot is like, the more I relax, the more I blink and whatever it is that, that the person wants. The more yeah. I relax, the closer I am to meeting my man. The more I relax, the more money I make. The more I relax, the more my business grows. The more I relax. And so I I uh, really resonate with what you're saying. Yeah. And, you know, it's there, there's so much there, too, because one piece, and I mean, I cover the ego, and I think that that's enough to really, you know, get a lot going. But one piece I don't discuss in the book because it's not really law of attraction related is we are in many ways, we're addicted to our struggle. Um, and this kind of reaches in, like, we're socially addicted to our struggle, meaning you like everyone around you is complaining about something or they're unhappy about something. And we intuitively subconsciously want to be part of the pack because we learned at some point, biologically speaking, that if you get kicked out of the tribe, it, then it's going to be you against the saber tooth tiger on your own. And you've got no backup and that's not a good idea. So you want to be like, we are by biologically engineered and programmed, even at this point, even in our this stage in our evolution, to want to be part of the pack and the pack is unhappy. And therefore, rather than giving ourselves permission because it's scary to be happy, we lean in that direction without realizing it. But it really is a thing where you can be accepted, you could be a part of the group and be happy at the same time. You can also graduate to a higher group, a, a better group that, you know, people of the same mind that they're also giving them themselves permission. And they're also not being so harsh on themselves and not, not um, getting mad at themselves that things don't go perfectly. And they're just giving themselves space to expand and improve and just like be in the flow of life. Mm, yes, 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 yes. I remember a moment where I would, I noticed because I've become really good at observing my thoughts. And I noticed when I was around certain people that I felt the need to share, like if I had an entire pie and then there's like this one little sliver that wasn't so great. I felt the need to share that one little sliver with some people. And it was this interesting realization of why am I doing that? And so for me, the way I described it was, oh, I'm shifting my identity. And it's that and it is exactly what you described of this idea of being against the tribe and against the outside of the, the norm, the social norm. Um, did you experience a moment of like having to shift your identity of how you described yourself, how your subconscious and your ego saw yourself when you started, you know, all of a sudden having this success financially, romantically, you know, in all of these other areas, did you feel a moment of your identity needing to shift or did it just happen? So for me, it's very weird because again, I, I put myself through the ringer and I failed so many times and I was so I mean, I don't think angry is the right word, but it's it's at least the word that people could relate to. I was so angry that at that point when I'm doing the methods, I was at a moment of, I don't care what anyone thinks of me. And here's what happens. You get in that moment, you get really angry, and then you've got this fire in your belly and you go at your thing and then you can relax, right? And then once you can relax, then all the old patterns can sneak their way back in. But I remember, I remember very vividly what it was like when I was, um, subconsciously leaning into the pack and being unhappy. And I remember what it was like when I let that go. So I, from that point, knew that I had to be 
uh, just intentional about it. So for, I'll give an example. So even right now, when I do YouTube content and um, like the, you can tell, like I'm very intentional right now. I want to hopefully give value to your audience. I'm just giving like, you know, straight answers. Um, in some of my YouTube videos, they're silly. They're funny. Some of them are just to, to make a point. It's, it's kind of goofy and not all of them, but some of them and I'm evolving the style. But the point I'm making here is there are times where I will do something and like I know it's going to be stupid or I know it's going to be silly. And I know it's going to be off the wall. And I can think of two or three people, two or three people in my head that I used to know that I kind of still know that they would literally call me stupid and, and try to make me not even realizing it's just their personality, but they would try to make me feel lesser for putting that out there. And when that happens to me, I'm like, okay, I guess that means I have to ramp this up tenfold. Not that it isn't, oh, no, Andrew, now you have to do this. It's like, no, Andrew, you had to get even more ridiculous. If that person who was would keep you stuck in place of where you are, and by the way, I'm not hurting anyone in this decision or action that I'm taking, then it's my responsibility to myself to go even tenfold on this and get even more ridiculous, more goofy, more off the wall, more out there. I mean, even like, again, I'm, I don't know if anyone will ever see this in, in video format, um, but I have this huge poster, like this, it's like a billboard or something of my book cover. And I think I know there are people in the world that would view that as, as cheesy or over the top. I don't care. I think it's really important that when I am making what I hope are, are cogent, important points, useful points, I want this book cover sitting behind me because I am proud of the book. I think the book represents me well, and I want to represent the book well. So mm-hmm. I am perf- I'm very aware that there are people in the world that probably will stumble upon my YouTube channel. Like, why is this book cover so big? It's taller than Andrew. Well, and I'm aware of that, but I don't care because I believe that the enthusiasm that I have for the content is what fuels the enthusiasm and the value of the content in the YouTube channel itself, which is the only thing that's actually going to serve people. So I can either be like, oh, no, I'm going to take this book cover down. And then I'm all of a sudden I'm this person that's not giving value. Or I can be like, listen, I don't care who thinks this is silly. This, this thing is going to be bigger than me. It's going to fill up the entire screen. And I don't care because coming from that place of unapologetically being me and unapologetically giving value in whatever way I can, that's where I have a unique voice. And that's where I've made that decision to give myself permission to do this, knowing I'm not for everybody and being okay with it. That's so powerful. And there's such a permission that's transferred over when you say, this is who I am. And, and I love that so much that you, the moment you notice and can observe a little bit of like, well, that person would judge me. And it's like, just by rem- thinking about it, there's a moment of feeling judgment that you ramp it up. Not only do you still follow through with it, but you ramp it up. Because then when someone else sees like the goofiness or whatever else, they instantly have permission to be goofy themselves. They instantly have permission to be proud of their work themselves. And I love that there's just a natural transfer of confidence that happens when someone is allowing themselves to be confident, you know? So I think that's so, especially because a lot of, you know, conversation stuff that happened around Joyfully You is like, what blocks our joy? And it can be that feeling of being rejected or judged or, um, worrying about not standing up for ourselves, of being like, I can feel that this person wants this answer, but my answer's over here. Which one do I give? You know, being able to be in relationship with the world around us. And so I, uh, I applaud you and I thank you for taking up that space of fully being yourself because for one, it's bringing value, but it's also a big, big ass permission slip for everyone else. Thank you. And Kelsey, if I may offer just one more thing in that regard, everyone should feel free to do it their way, but just for clarity, 
I'm not coming from the mindset of here I am, deal with it. Because for me, that would be like an ang- like that's that's me being wounded and angry over someone not dealing with before. My attitude is here I am. If you want it cool, if not, no hard feelings. There's no deal with it vibe, at least for me. If it's for anyone else, cool. But for me, I don't need the deal with it vibe. All I have is here I am vibe. And you can take it or leave it. But if you leave it, I'm not angry. I'm not happy. Like, it is what it is. All I know is the right people are going to find me in the right way. And the other people are just going to move on to something else. So um, I only I only bring that up because I think sometimes people go into the here I am deal with it. And they're so angry. And they don't realize that they're cutting themselves off the knees by doing that where it's just like, here I am is a long enough statement. You don't need anything else after that. Because if you're doing something else of deal with it, your energy is already on the other person. You've already taken the energy off your person. You're already taking the focus off yourself onto the other person. Here I am, that's enough. That's everything. Mm, That's wonderful. And it's like a energy of neutrality almost of like, removing the idea of is is this good bad right or wrong it's just a neutral energy of here I am I'm showing up I'm willing to show up and it's also a privilege for people to be able to hear and learn from someone else even though there's a lot of um, the day and age that we live in now there's such a wide variety of people sharing their personal experiences and learnings and teachings that I think we kind of have become desensitized to how valuable and what a privilege it is to be able to hear other people Mm. versus because we're so desensitized because so many not maybe that's not the right word um because we're used to hearing from people in a one-on-one way through video content yeah and you know we we are in certain ways desensitized we are in certain ways traumatized like we have all this stuff going on and like everybody everyone's going through something. And I mean, the only thing I would say is um, I'm never going to pretend that someone's problems aren't a problem or aren't a big deal. All I would say is strategically speaking, what you want to do is whatever you can to lean in a more positive direction, because, you know, let's pretend you believe in reincarnation. We'll just say that because this, this is more powerful. Even if you do, even if re- reincarnation is real, this is still technically your only trip here as you. So it's either your only trip because you only get one or you get a bunch of trips, but this is your still your only one, meaning this is your only trip. Why would you waste years or decades in resentment, in doubt, in regret, in fear and uncertainty, where instead you can say, listen, this isn't perfect. I'm still not happy about this thing, but strategically speaking, it makes the most sense to lean into gratitude because one, I'll be enjoying my life in the meantime. And two, I think that'll enable me with the best probability and the best shot at inviting more things which will then lead to better things after that. All I'm saying is be like, listen, I'm going to be really methodical and strategic and um, not let that stuff get me down to whatever measure I can. Not that it wasn't a problem. It's just that, you know, is it serving me to dwell on it or is it serving me to try to lean in a different direction in a more healthy direction for myself? Such a powerful filter. Is this serving me? Does this make things feel like they're expanding or does this feel constricting? And so much of it is, I think, a a pattern, of a, a thought pattern. Of, of all of a sudden it reintroduces. And so I love that you bring in a strategic methodical and a lot of my clients that I've sent your book to, they're like, I love the specificity of these methods and the step-by-step because I think there's a part of the ego too to protect itself from looking dumb or feeling stupid is, am I doing it right? And wanting to have these step-by-step. And I think we even addressed that too. It's like, you can't mess this up. <laughs> you mm-hmm. can't mess this up if you are allowing yourself to feel 
gratitude. And I love that so much. Gratitude is the most abundant emotion there is. I'm so grateful for everything that you've been sharing with us today. Yeah, I'm loving this conversation. And, you know, it really is, it really does speak for itself. And, you know, one thing you kind of touched on just to articulate for people, because oftentimes I'm asked, like, what is like the biggest mistake people make with the law of attraction? And one of like the big, 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 big ones is that they do the method to get the result to which people like, well, yeah, I've seen the secret. I've read Abraham Hicks. Like, yeah, do the method, get the result, right? It's like, no, listen, kind of. When, and here's this little subtle distinction that we fall into without realizing. When you're doing the method to get the result, you're doing the method with the intention and focus of the lack of the result. You're coming from a place of giving out the vibration that you don't have what you want. Whereas if you do the method for the sake of enjoying the method, then you're sending out the vibe to the universe that you get what you want, and then the result will come. So it's this really weird, subtle distinction that people don't want to fall into where if you're trying to do these methods, gritting your teeth, like trying to like bend the universe to your will, all you're doing is reaffirming the vibration state and psychology and, and energy of lack. Whereas if you'd be like, listen, I'm going to feel good while thinking about what I have or what I want or both. And then I'm going to let it unfold in whatever way. I'm going to be loose about this. I'm going to be open. I don't care about perfection. There's no such thing. Then you're in the flow. Then things are going. So do the method for the sake of enjoying the method. Because only then, by the way, will you do it every day, meaning you'll have consistency, meaning you'll have momentum, meaning things will actually unfold. Whereas in the old way, they would start to work, but you'd hold them back with friction. Start to work, more resistance. Start to work back and forth, back and forth. If you're going to take you know, steps forward and steps back, you might as well take 10 steps forward and one step back, not three steps forward and five steps back. Like At least put the numbers in your favor if you're going to be oscillating in that way. Mm-hmm. It's such a great way of putting it of like, look, it just makes more sense, you know, and because it, it, it naturally it's like we know what we want. No, that's not true. For so uh, me being someone who's very ambitious, I've enjoyed this process throughout my life of dreaming and, you know, this idea of what can I, what can I create an experience? Like for me, it's always, what can I experience, you know? And, but that's definitely something that I've experienced as well as being like, I really want this. So I need to do this. And if this, but it still is a placing that happiness outside of us of I'll be happy when versus allowing ourselves to feel that joy now. And so that's such a powerful distinction. I'm so glad that you shared that because it is easy to get caught up in, oh, one plus one equals two. This is what I need to do. And it's like, well, no, it's not really like that. It's more yeah. about the energy and the vibration of what you're being in being a vibrational match to the things that we want. And like, I actually did in 2018, I did my list of all the qualities I want in a partner. And I forgot about that list. And then I, you know, throughout the journey, found myself being completely at peace, being single. And there was a couple moments I remember being like, there's a reason Oprah's single, doesn't have kids. She's too busy helping the world. Like this very justified, this is why I'm single. Like very much coming from this, defensive egoic place, you know, but then realizing, okay, that doesn't serve me either. And instead when people would ask me like, Oh, have you, are you single? I'm like, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm excited to meet him one day though. Like this anticipation of knowing that I'm going to meet him, but also finding complete peace of being single and like everything that I would want to do with the relationship. I just started doing by myself. And throughout time, like in January, I met him. I met the guy that I'm like, Oh my gosh, and I forgot about that list. It, it wasn't like, I got to go check the list. No, no, no. I forgot about that. But then three months into the relationship, I was going through old journals and I just opened it up and 
the one page in the middle of that notebook I opened up was the list of all the qualities. And it was May, 2018 that said like, it said the man. And then I crossed it out and I wrote my man. And there's like a whole list of things. And it was this very beautiful moment. Cause sometimes we don't always see the full circle. It's like, we know it's something we've wanted, but to actually look back and see the documentation that caused that rocket of desire that was able to manifest later was like, Oh, Oh my God, this yeah, is so cool. It's a jarring, surreal thing. And I think it's really cool. And um, I know um, Mike Samuels, he wrote Just Ask the Universe. He had a very similar experience where like his wife ended up being everything he ever wrote down, which he was inspired to do from a, from a Tony Robbins program. And I would, I would offer that for everyone listening, it might happen that way for you or it might happen in a different way. And the real level of mastery is in knowing that it could be either way, but like everyone's way is their own way, but it's going to happen. And I would say like, listen to Kelsey's story and maybe make that list for yourself if you haven't. And then just be understand the fact that it might play out that way or in a different way, but either way you are coming, going towards the things that you want, but in the meantime, you just got to enjoy life. Yeah. Got to enjoy life. I love that so much. Thank you so much. So what would you say is like, so for this person, for the person listening, you know, um, that's maybe they believe in manifestation and law of attraction or now after listening to this, that they do, what would you say is like one of the biggest takeaways that you really want them to hear? Um, I think all, I think everything that we discussed is so important, but ultimately to be a little harsh, it's only window dressing if they don't do anything about it. Meaning I would invite people, whether it's my book or my YouTube channel, the content's free, you don't have to spend a dime, or someone else's book or someone else's content, I would invite people to look into different gratitude methods, find one or two that they like, and then just spend five minutes a day doing them with the understanding that they are, they're, they're almost, it's almost like a, an energetic investment that you're making. Um, I, I haven't done a video about this yet, but I have this thing called like manifestational compound interest, where every second that you put in, and you only need five minutes a day, don't stress yourself, don't say I have to do an hour a day, five minutes is enough, all right? But like every day that you just do that little bit of gratitude, you're making a positive win in the moment, but you're also making an investment in, in your, that your future self is gonna be on their hands and knees thanking you for. And so, so my, my long-winded way of saying is like, listen, just none of this matters unless you lean into gratitude and do things. And I'll sound really, really egotistical right now, but I hope people take a lesson from this. Every so often, I am so grateful to the Andrew from 2008 who did all this work, to the Andrew from all the years before that did all the work to get there, but also to the Andrew from 2019 who followed a hunch and followed his heart and followed his instinct and made this book. Because who would I be? And like, would I, would I be fulfilled right now and, and, and thinking like I'm serving people right now if I didn't do the book? Well, 2019, Andrew took care of it. So I would advise people to look at all the things that they've already done for themselves, that they've already done in service to themselves, be grateful to that person, and then understand with that in mind, be, be genuinely grateful, be the person that your future you is going to be just as, if not more grateful to. Be that person that invests in that gratitude and does those things so that your future self will thank you and be so happy, but simultaneously be happy in the moment now and have acknowledgement and honor for the person that you were in the past that got you here. Mm, that's so good. Thank you so much. So, and I, and that's just so in alignment with honoring our journey and honoring the steps that have taken and being able to notice 
and have appreciation for what did I learn through that? And just for me, that's self-love. When I think about self-love of being able to love and honor um, the journey that has led us to where we are, being able to recognize where we are, and also having this gratitude and anticipation for what is to become. And so, oh, thank you so much. And something I like to ask everyone at the end of the show is um, to finish the sentence. And so self-love is... Self-love is what you've always had access to. And now it's just time to embrace and accept that. Amazing. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast of Joyfully You. Um, How can people find you? How can people Mm. connect with you? First of all, Kelsey, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm grateful beyond words um, just to you you being there and, uh, and inviting me on. Um, I'm trying to think. I have um, one thing I'm scrolling through here. It might yeah. pop up. It might not. Um, well, I mean, basically, there's there's two links that people can always go to. Um, one is lastlawofattractionbook.com, and that'll auto forward to the uh, the Amazon listing where you can get it in Kindle or uh, paperback or audiobook if you prefer. But um, like I was saying before, if you don't want to pull your wallet out and you know you just want to like you know check out the content for free, you're welcome to go to YouTube.com/slash Andrew Cap. And um, I have something here. Um, uh, it's not pulling up, um, so I'm going to uh, I'm going to try to uh, do this off memory. Um, I have a free thing called Make Manifesting Fun. It's a sampler of of methods that people can kind of uh, just check out and lean into. Mm-hmm. And um, it's basically one of those things where if you text the word manifest to 411321, mm-hmm. um, that'll cue you up. It'll give you the opportunity. I don't have the um, the international number or the US Sprint one. Um, I don't have that in front of me, so I apologize for that. But um, I will you... put it in the show notes. So awesome. all of I your will, links. That... Yeah. Thank you for that, Kelsey. I'll give you the, the official things, but basically you can manifest that that thing. You can text the word manifest and um, that'll get you my my free sampler, make manifesting fun, just as another way. And I may, you know, send you a few emails after that, who knows, but um, it's like a standard texting type of thing. But um, that's plenty of options. So that's uh, my last long-winded answer of the day. Although I do want to say thank you so much for having me. Um, I don't know how long we've been talking, but it seems like it's flown by. We could have been doubling the time and it would have been easy for me. Um, But I really appreciate just the intentionality of your questions and your energy and your presence as we went through this. And um, just to speak for your audience, they're lucky to have you because it's very clear that you really care about making a really good show. I'm so happy that I got to be on here. Thank you. Thank you so much. I received that and I, I appreciate that. And this has been so fun. And I agree. The time has flown by. It feels like it's been like five minutes and I can't believe it's been an hour. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you know the conversation's good when you don't realize how fast the time is going. Seriously. Is there anything you'd like to share before we're complete or do you feel good? You feel um, complete? Yeah. I'll just say, you know, whether it's me or someone else, I would just invite people. Don't don't take this stuff lightly feeling good for five minutes a day really can make a difference, but you won't know until you do it. But after you do it, you'll thank me later. That's all I'll say. (laughs) Perfect. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to Joyfully You Podcast. Thank you, Andrew, for joining us today on today's episode. I am Kelsey Lowe. I'm your host, and I will see you on the next episode. 